Welcome to episode 26 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. This is with Adam Mintz from Athletes Collective Apparel, an unbranded apparel company based out of Toronto, Canada. Really fun podcast. I really love talking to Adam. We actually talked a lot about Star Wars and The Simpsons and how he got his start and what he's doing with the business. I really love these clothes. Uh, Adam actually gave me a pair for free when I met him at Ideal World in LA last month. And I did. I liked the clothes so much that I went out and I bought three more shirts from him on his website. So yeah, I actually do really enjoy and wear his apparel. Anyways, I need to thank y'all so much for using that social currency that I asked about last week. You know, leaving me those comments on iTunes, leaving me those, uh, leaving me that feedback is really helpful. I really appreciate it. I want to make the best podcast possible for everyone out there listening. So thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And on with the show. In the basement, rolling dice, rolling dice. I'm a wizard. When we play, we do it right. Candles flicker, fighting dragons in my mind. Hey dragons, welcome back to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast where we mix nerd and fitness culture to break down barriers. Today I am being joined by Adam Mintz from Athletes Collective Apparel. Adam, how you doing, man? I am doing good. Good, good. Excellent. On this beautiful Sunday morning. Well, I guess beautiful where you are in Toronto. It's kind of uh, cloudy and dreary, but uh, oh, no. well, it's okay. <laughs> well, that's a bummer. You and I met at Ideal World a couple weeks ago uh, here in Los Angeles, uh, and you were extremely generous, and you gave me some uh, some samples of your clothing, a pair of shorts, and a cutoff shirt, which I have absolutely loved. I've tried to wear it at least twice a week. With washing, so I don't want anyone to think I'm wearing dirty clothes when I'm at the gym. Um, but who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So, um, so I'm originally actually from uh, Montreal. Uh, so I grew up there. Um, when I was 23, I moved out and I uh, moved to Toronto. Uh, spent two and a half years here working actually in the fashion industry. So uh, that was my original background. I, I worked for uh, Diesel Canada. Um, in sales and marketing as a brand manager. And uh, so after about two and a half years doing that, um, I actually moved to the States. I uh, did my master's uh, in global marketing communications in Boston at Emerson College. Moved to Australia not long after that, and that's when I started a career in brand consulting. Uh, spent a year overseas, uh, loving every minute of it. You know, I grew up on the East Coast, so the idea of being able to live on a beach in warm weather for 12 months a year was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, our, our, it's, it's a real stereotype. I was cold in Canada. I mean, we get the weather's awesome for about four or five months a year here, or we'll say three or four months actually to be more accurate. And then, you know, October until about March, uh, it's pretty crummy. Um, and it does get chilly. I mean, no, no worse than any other Northeast, um, uh, city in the States, but, uh, but it isn't fun. Um, so moving out, so moving out to the sun was really good. And then after a year there, I actually came back to Toronto, uh, continued as a brand consultant for, um, I don't know, three or four years, uh, moved into advertising 
uh, not so long after that. And then um, for the last couple of years, um, I've been working on Athletes Collective for the last, I don't know, eight, nine months. This has been my full-time job. So that's, uh, that's kind of my, uh, that's, that's, that's my resume. If we were doing yeah. a job interview, uh, pretty quick, <laughs> uh, in terms of kind of who I am, I've been, if we're talking sports, I've been an athlete my whole life. Uh, you know, I never, I, I think I'm like most guys, um, where in that we took high school sports pretty seriously, playing basketball, uh, you know, tennis, hockey, uh, every team sport I can get my, uh, get my hands on and some individual. And then after high school, I kind of, um, genetics was not, was not <laughs> nice to me. I ended up grew up to about five, eight, 155 pounds soaking wet and, uh, and kind of, but, 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 but sports always mattered to me. You know, I, you know, I spent a lot of time watching them on TV, going in person, but, and then I played intramurals. I played rec league softball and rec league basketball and club tennis and a lot of golf and, and just, just how I think most guys kind of after high school end up being. Um, and that was, so it's still a huge part of my life. I was always, for some reason, into sports apparel. I was always a big believer in, you know, if something fits well when you're playing or working out or you feel like you look good, that you're going to play better. Uh, it was kind of that mix of my interest in fashion and, and sports that kind of brought it together. And now the fact that I get to uh, design and create and sell sportswear for a living uh, is, is kind of a dream come true. Yeah, seriously, that sounds awesome. And in you've been doing Athletes Collective full-time for less than a year. Were you working on it before? Like, was it a part-time thing that you were trying to get off the ground? Basically, yeah. So I had a my former partner, who's a guy I've known since grade two, um, who we're actually, we're still best friends. Uh, we started it, uh, we, we started the development process. The idea came about, um, what was it in, uh, I don't know, 2013. And, uh, and so we kind of, we developed it, took, took us eight months just to develop this one t-shirt, kind of taught ourselves the business from scratch and, um, and then launched it in July of 2014. So for about a year, year and a half, uh, it was a side project and, and we treated it as such, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, you know, we each put in X amount of thousands of dollars and we said, let's see if we can make this. It was something we were both really into, but we, we unfortunately never really treated it as a huge, as like a, uh, as a serious business. And then finally in last, last summer, actually, we said, okay, we're either going to do this or we're not. And so we, we said, okay, let's, let's see if we can do a Kickstarter campaign. So we kind of took the remaining money in our account and created this campaign, which did, which worked, which didn't work. It, it failed ultimately. I think we got about half of our goal, but it succeeded in the fact that we garnered enough interest from, uh, local papers here and a few pretty serious guys in the industry to, to, to say that, oh yeah, this could be a real business. And then when I started to put a real business plan together and realized I could get some seed funding, my partner realized that this wasn't what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. It's not what he wanted to do for a living. And we parted ways. You know, I bought him out and, and we still remain best friends. We play tennis once, twice a week together. And, um, and so that ended up working out okay. Probably better that we're not partners anymore, but, um, still very good friends. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of, it was a side business and now it's, it, it, it's full time, but it took, it took a lot of different failures over that year and a half and realizing what we needed to do and what we shouldn't be doing, um, to kind of, to get it to where it is right now. Well, was there a time, obviously it was 
kind of a blessing in disguise that your partner was like, you know what, this isn't what I want to do. Um, were there any failures where you were like, oh crap, I don't know if this is going to work out. And what did that teach you? And where did you go from there? Um, in terms of, uh, are you talking in terms of the business or, or with me and my partner? In terms of the business. Um, in terms of the business. Yeah. I mean, uh, oh, there's, there, there's a million times that you're questioning yourself because when, when you're not getting the, you, like you think you, it's more cause you, cause I come from a marketing background and, and more specifically, uh, a consulting, a brand consulting background where I'm working with huge brands with massive budgets, um, where the goal of what I do for a living is to help them position their brand within the marketplace in a way that makes them communicate their message better. So I'm working with people like Pepsi and uh, up here, a big one, Tim Hortons was a huge one. And, um, and we work, you know, we worked with some big box stores, like some, uh, kind of, uh, what was I going to say? Best Buy type stores up here that are huge. And when you're, when you're marketing for brand, it's a very different thing than marketing to make money. And there, and it is two different things. And so when I'm putting my skill set, um, to, to work for my own brand, and it's not generating the kind of revenue I think it should be generating. You kind of have to rethink, uh, what you're doing. There's, there were umpteen times where I, I couldn't understand what, why isn't anyone coming to the website? Why isn't, why isn't anyone making any purchases? You know, our stuff's really good. How come this brand ambassador program that we created isn't working? Um, how come this, you know, ultimate frisbee event that we wanted some photos for, why didn't that work? And you just, and you realize you're just doing it. You're just going about it the wrong way. And, um, and so, yeah, there were, there were so many times when, when I, I just thought this, this wasn't worth it and no one really, um, and no one's really interested in this. And then all of a sudden, um, a, a friend of mine in PR contacted one of the biggest newspapers in Toronto, told him about our Kickstarter campaign, told him, told him about the idea. We got written up about in the, the front section of the business world. And then all of a sudden, people are coming to our website and buying stuff and I'm getting calls from, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting people who are tweeting at me, um, who work for MLSC, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, who own the Raptors and the Leafs and Toronto FC. And he's saying, I want to meet with you guys. And so, you know, I always thought that the concept was, uh, was right. I thought it made sense. I thought it was unique in, um, in, in the sports world, but it was, it wasn't until we got some press that I really realized this could be a real business and that there's interest here. So it, it did take multiple, multiple failures, including the Kickstarter campaign, which was a failure mostly because we didn't understand Kickstarter and people who buy from Kickstarter are very different from people who buy in the real world. It's a whole different way of going about it. And unless you really understand that world, um, it, it, it's very difficult to succeed. So we kind of, I did my research and I tried to, uh, I, I tried to emulate what, what other people had done in that space and it just didn't work, but it did garner enough attention to, uh, to realize that this could be a business. Well, that's excellent. And that's actually even, even though the Kickstarter campaign itself was a failure, going and using Kickstarter as, was ultimately a success because you met other people through that, that helped your business succeed. Exactly. And and I think that's good to know because 
I think people think that if their Kickstarter fails, then nothing good can come of it. But also these days, all we hear about is the Kickstarter success stories. Well, yeah, and you always hear about the Kickstarter that made $2 million. Yeah. And, and, and the reality is, and this is where a lot of where, where this is the, the biggest thing that I learned is anyone who made $2 million or a million dollars in Kickstarter, most of those people really know what they're doing when it comes to Kickstarter. They have massive networks of people who are willing to pledge money immediately. They have people who work in the press, you know, how to get the word out or, I mean, I, and I got in contact with some of these people who were really, who were nice enough to help me out and basically said, Oh, we spent three, four thousand dollars at, for this PR agency who were, who specifically targets people who buy from Kickstarter. Like, Oh, so we spent our money, you know, on production value of our video rather than trying to get the word out. So it was, you know, you, you start to learn the ins and outs of what, how Kickstarter really works. You know, the, the people you hear about in the press, those, those big Kickstarter campaigns who make hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, most of the time they have a, they, they already have some money and they have a huge following of people who are already willing to buy. There are very few Kickstarter campaigns where they just put it out there and and it just blew up because it was so interesting. I mean, there's famously this guy who 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 did a Kickstarter to say I want to I, I want to make a, a chicken salad sandwich. It's no joke. He's from the UK, I believe, and and he got like two hundred thousand dollars because it was a joke. And and that and that's like those are the stories that come out of there, but they're few and far between. Most of the real success stories on Kickstarter are from people who already have a following. And so that's kind of how it works. And people have used that that platform now to to make business for themselves, even when they already have a business. Yeah. Well, and it's it's you're hearing now movie studios are going to Kickstarter. Veronica Mars was huge. The new reading Rainbow was huge. And I was actually reading up on Kickstarter, not because I had any desire to use it. I really I mean, there's nothing really that I would kickstart at this point with uh, with my business. But you have to raise between like 30 and 50% of your goal in like the first day or two. Absolutely. And that's because if other people are coming to it and it's been around for a couple days and you don't have a solid backing, people don't want to back and pardon this language. They don't want to back a loser. No, well, well, there's, there's two things. There's that, which is, Oh, no one's buying this. So it's never going to get made. So why should I back it? And then the second part of it is that there's actually an algorithm within Kickstarter that if you don't, if you're not one of the top earners, Kickstarter just puts you to the bottom of the list and you're not even searchable. Oh, wow. So that's the other thing. Like you have to, in order to get to the top, like couple uh, rows of whatever part of Kickstarter you're on, uh, you're, Kickstarter has to be making money. If it's not making money, it just gets put to the bottom and no one ever finds you. Which is which is so funny to me because if you're not making money, you're put to the bottom where you're not going to make any money. Exactly. <laughs> so it's a very you to to anyone out there who who thinks that if you just put up a Kickstarter and you and you've got a good video and something that's catchy, you have to understand that you have to run a Kickstarter campaign the way you would run an actual marketing campaign. You can't just rely on it going viral. 
it's like when people go, oh, I'll just, just make a viral video for me. Like I always laugh when <laughs> clients would come to, would come to us when I was working in advertising uh, very briefly and they'd say, oh, can you just make a viral video? Like it doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's, it's very hard for people to create what will go viral. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's all based on the people who are ultimately seeing it and creating something worthy to share. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's a company out there right now that's researching all the statistics in all the viral videos and they will come up with a formula. Yeah. I think people have tried to, but it's, uh, uh, you know, unless it's like cat videos, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's hard to know what's going to go viral. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say like a cat doing something cute and a funny song and a woman in a Chewbacca mask. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So anyways, back to you, my friend. Um, tell me about one of your heroes, either a fictional hero, a favorite superhero, or just a source of inspiration. Um, I guess my, my biggest source of inspiration is, I mean, I look to other people in my industry. I mean, I'm a big fan of Kevin Plank, who's the founder of Under Armour. And Kevin Plank, I, I mean, um, the guy started, I mean, he had, listen, he had a, uh, he, he had a good connection because he was a division one football player. So he kind of, he knew football players. He was in that world, but still he, he the, his famous story is he took a Hanes shirt, took his, um, you know, compression fabric, brought it to a seamstress and said, can you make me like 2000 of these? and just copy the hang shirt with this fabric. And he kind of made it from there. And then in his first year, you know, he worked out of his grandmother's basement. He went into all sorts of debt. Uh, he only made $17,000 in the first year. And then the second year, he made 100000 And then he just kept going from going, the, just kept going on from there and it just grew. And he basically said, I don't care that there's, uh, you know, Nike, Adidas, and Reebok. Um, there's room for another one here. I mean, we're seeing that in the industry now. There's so, I mean, listen, I'm one of many people who have created a sportswear line who are trying to break in and be the next Nike or Under Armour or Adidas, um, which is in every article I've ever, I, I read about these people. Um, so Kevin Plank, I mean, I just like the idea that he believed in his ideas so much and was willing to sacrifice, you know, you know, living with his grandmother and, uh, and working out of a basement and, and just kind of, and throwing your whole heart into something you really believe in and then ultimately making it a success. So that's, that, that's, I'd say he's one of, I mean, I don't have a lot of heroes per se, but I like the guys who, um, I'm, I'm always interested in people who basically, who, who everyone said, you know, your idea is crazy or, you know, those are my favorite kind of inspirational quotes that are on the net. Like, like, uh, I think Phil Knight has one who's the founder of Nike. And he says, you know, let everyone else call your idea crazy. Just, just go and just go for it. Just make it. So that was that. So that's kind of uh, from, from a hero standpoint, um, just, just a guy like that in the industry who, um, who, who's, been, who's done what he's done. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite quotes along, along the lines of what you're talking about is the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world do. Yeah, I know. And, and even though it's, it, it's funny because even though it's cliche to quote, um, uh, well, I was going to say, uh, Steve Jobs, it is very true. You know, he, he was a, he's a marketing genius, but, but it, it is very true. Even if you take the cliche out of it, I mean, it's a great, it's a fantastic quote. 
and uh, most people are very safe about what they do for a living. And Lord knows I was for many, many years, and it may end up being that way in the future. I don't know what, what holds for, for Athletes Collective, but, um, but yeah, I'm always interested in people who kind of just, who, who say, forget about it, I'm just going to do what I think is the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that, that's how we get some of the greatest innovation. Uh, I've said for a long time that, uh, the problem with smartphones is that they're killing boredom. And boredom is where people have all these amazing, great ideas. Like if you get bored with a process at work, instead of, you know, wasting your time on your phone, people who are bored, they're like, oh, God, this process is taking forever. That's when the light bulb hits and they create a new process that revolutionizes anything. No, no, I I would tend to agree with that. I mean, I, I my best ideas come when I'm going out for a run and I'm listening to music. Yeah. So when I when I'm not playing with my phone or when I'm not on on the computer, um, that's 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 when most people's best ideas come. And I still think it's. I mean, I think smartphones are enabling people in ways. Obviously, I'm not I'm not going to talk to some uh, as someone who knows too much about this, but <laughs> I mean, it's certainly enabling us to do more things than we ever thought possible. But, but yeah, I tend to agree that, that just having some time away from it is good for creativity. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I used to, and maybe I'll get, maybe I'll actually get back into this. One of my favorite times was when I would leave my phone at home and go to the gym for an hour, hour and a half. I would just leave my phone in the car. But now I've, I've found so many great, um, workout apps, routine apps that, you know, I'm plugging in the weights I'm using. I'm plugging in the routines that I'm doing. While it's great for me keeping track of all that and having a constant metric because it lets me know when I've increased weight, when I've broken a PR, things like that. I'm also on social media a little bit more in the gym than I would be if I didn't have my phone, you know? No, of course. In between sets, you're, uh, you're on your phone. I do it too. Yeah, maybe I'll go back and leave my phone in the car. Now, I mean, listen, I have to have my phone on me now when I work out because uh, that's where my music is. So I yeah. used to use an iPod, and now I have my Bluetooth headset and my phone, and I'm always on it. So, um, so you know. See, I still, even if I'm in the gym, if I don't have any, like, podcasts, if I'm caught up on all my podcasts, I'll still revert back to my iPod shuffle. Um, that's impressive because I, I mean, I guess for me, the biggest difference is I now have, and, and to anyone out there who's listening, who can, it's very easy for me to say this because I was fine with spending the money, but if you have 150 or $200 lying around, buying a, a set of Bluetooth headphones could be the greatest thing for working out ever. Uh-huh. I, th- I think among, among the, among the innovations for working out, it's made running, it's made lifting weights, it's made doing any exercise so much better if you're into listening to music. Like I can't even, I cannot work out unless I have these headphones now. I've, I've, a, I've, a, I could be the spokesperson for, for any Bluetooth headset and sell anyone on it because I just think it's so good. Oh, see, I've, I, again, I don't have a lot of music on my phone, so I rarely have my phone I rarely have the need for a Bluetooth headset. Um, I used to use it when I was doing like listening to podcasts, doing housework, but it's not something I ever thought I would take to the gym, even though 
and the cord for my headphones gets in the way rarely, I want to say, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I'm, I'm just such a huge fan of it. I just think it frees up so much, so many things. Like, I don't have to put my phone in my pocket anymore, and I just, I put it on the ground, or I put it on, you know, on a bench, or whatever it is, while I'm working out, or while I'm running. I don't know. I'm just such a huge fan. Uh, anyway, if I can go on forever, I don't think, no, that's what your viewers <laughs> want to listen to, me railing on about, uh, about Bluetooth headsets. Yeah, for sure. No. So, when you're not working out, when you're not working on Athletes Collective, do you have a favorite area of like nerdiness, like a TV show you're watching, if you read comic books or if you're into movies or if you play video games, anything like that? Or you said you're into music, like favorite type of music if you nerd out about anything like that? No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little, I'm very eclectic in that sense that I, and that's why I find, um, your podcast and your brand so interesting because <laughs> Uh, no, because I have my own nerdy things that, um, that, that I'm really into when I'm not, what I'm, yeah, I'm super into sports and it's very jockey, very stereotypical, but you know, I'm a giant Star Wars nerd. Um, like I can, I, I've, I've watched the trilogy so many times and I know how cliche that sounds, but <laughs> I'm, I'm super into that stuff. I'm, I'm really into, I'm a big Simpsons dork. I mean, anything before the ninth season, I think. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a gigantic Simpsons nerd. I can, um, I have a few friends, I have a, like a group email, um, that we just send each other random, uh, random Simpsons quotes or we'll be like, like, like God help whoever ends up with me at the random Simpsons quotes that I will throw around when it, <laughs> when, when, when it comes up and it doesn't make any sense. And so, so I'm really, yeah, that's, I think the biggest, if you want to call it nerdiest thing is, is, is my love of the Simpsons. Um, and I'm now trying to get my seven year old nephew. My, my brother has him watching like family guy. I'm like, okay, I think that's inappropriate first. And secondly, you can <laughs> get the Simpsons DVDs or find it streaming somewhere online. I said, your child needs to learn about the Simpsons. This is very important. And I get very upset at my 11 year old nephew who tells me that he loves the trilogy and he's talking about episodes one through three and yeah. I have to scream at him. I'm like, and I blame his parents. I'm like, what are you doing as a child? I feel like that's not the trilogy. It just, it just upsets me. No. So, um, I mean, there's that. And then uh, I think those are the, the two things that I nerd out on. I mean, uh, I'm a, um, aside from that, that's, that's most of it. <laughs> most of my nerdiness comes from that. Um, you know, like, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, but I'm like the worst, I'm the worst kind of guy like that because like now I'm into Star Trek, but I'm into the new Star Trek. So I'm a gigantic hypocrite. So like I was never a Trekkie when I was uh, when I was younger, and then all of a sudden the Chris Pine Trek stuff comes out, and I'm really into it. And now I'm like now I'm now I'm a huge hypocrite for what I just said about Star Wars. I'm sure there's many people out there who would tell me that is not real Star Trek. I, Although I have heard from I have heard from people who do like Star Trek that they've done a good job with the movies. Yeah. See, I I yes, we can we can argue the hypocrisy there, whatever. But I never really enjoyed the original. Star Treks, like, I've seen a couple episodes, I've seen a couple movies here and there, but I'm like, the new Star Treks get my attention, I'm entertained by them, I like them a lot more than the previous stuff I've seen, and yes, it could be I've seen the wrong stuff, but you know what, people love what they love, and I ain't gonna hate, um, I will say, you said, uh, for whoever ends up with you, if and when you have 
kids or anything like that, are you going to show them, obviously the original trilogy, but are you going to go back and show them any of the, uh, the second trilogy? Um, unfortunately, well, here's the funny thing. The, the second trilogy, I, I mean, I'll never forget George Lucas saying this and he, when, when everyone got mad at, um, at episode one, he reminded people, he goes, guys, these are kids movies. And that was kind of his, that was his, that was his, like, well, I think he was wrong in that. He was right and he was wrong because I don't think, oddly enough, I don't think he realized that these movies meant something to people who were not children. And when people watched them, most of the time you didn't watch them as kids, you know, and, and he didn't, and, and that's what I think JJ Abrams got, got right. And that's what I think, um, uh, some of the new, the Batman, the new Batman, the Christian Bale Batman movies with, with the Dark Knight, I think they got that right because they realized that those movies were for, were, the, were for the adult kind of geeky guys who loved comic books. And that's who they made it for. So I think you have, you have a lot of the, the Marvel movies that are much more centered around, uh, for the kids. And, and then all of a sudden when they, when Batman came out, that I think, they did a great job, and that's why I think, uh, and I give J.J. Abrams credit for, no, obviously not Batman, he wasn't involved in that, but with um, with with the new Star Wars, is he's like, no, I'm going to make this for Star Wars fans, and that's what it was, and I think George Lucas lost that a little bit with the new trilogy, and that he's like, it's for kids, and it is for kids. That's, I mean, I think they were wrong in that sense, but these movies were kids' movies. Yes. And so they made them for kids, and they're immensely kid-friendly, and they're meant for kids to watch but he forgot that the people who really, who the Star Wars, who it means something to are people our age or older. So that's where it's, uh, well, I, I, I guess I would have them watch them. If I had, if I had kids, I would let them, they're in very kid friendly movies yes. and they might enjoy them, but I would make sure that I, I'm only fearful that I put on a new hope and he'd be like, for the first 20 minutes, they'd go, this is so boring. Oh, well, because like, to any kid today, the first 20 minutes of A New Hope is not exciting. No. I mean, maybe there's a, there's a few scenes, but, like, you're talking the first, maybe probably the first 10, 15 minutes where they're wandering the desert. Like, that's not exciting. We get it because we're into the movies. But a kid watching that is going to go, what, is anything going to happen? And that's what's really changed, I think. I mean, they, they brought storytelling back to, that's, that's, that's what the, the first three, the, the new trilogy, um, that, that those, those, the ones that bombed, that nobody liked, or that start. Star Wars fans didn't like it's the, they lost the storytelling, which is what was so good about the original trilogy. Yes. Well, I think it's also just, again, it's almost a technology thing. We, you only have three seconds to capture someone's attention and get them into whatever it is that you're doing. You know, um, instead of people reading books, we're reading 140 characters. Right. So, so I think that, yes, getting through the first, the first 20, 25 minutes of, of A New Hope is going to be rough for the future generations. (laughs) I I just like how, how, I mean, it's really funny what will get you really impassioned and how worried I am that my future kids that don't exist, (laughs) um, are going to work, that they're not going to like these movies and that's going to bother me. It's very weird. That is, that is. I'll just play them. I'll play them Indiana Jones. It's exciting from start to finish, so that'll be fun. There you go. There you go. Um, 
So what I like asking people is, do you have, since you're, you're, you're obviously into fitness, you got this awesome athletic apparel company, uh, do you have a favorite cheat meal or a meal that you, uh, reward yourself for a, uh, for a job well done? Yeah. I mean, uh, the one that I have is this place down the street called the Stockyards and it has this ridiculous fried chicken and these awesome fries with tons of salt on them. And that's my, my, when I, when I've worked out all week and I'm like, it's Sunday night and I'm really hungry and I just, I haven't eaten gar, and I've been eating, if I've been eating healthy all week, which I, which I tend to do, um, that's the meal because it's, it, it's four gigantic pieces of chicken and it's a mountain of fries. And I, and I like all, and I don't drink a lot of soda, uh, soft drink, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and when I'm there, like, I'm like, I need the, and they have like the glasses, they have the Coke bottles, which oh, are better. Yeah. And so, and so like, I just like, I'll have that. I'm like, I'm not going to drink water. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm eating unhealthy like that, like I'm going to enjoy myself. So I'll draw, I'll wash it down with Coke and a lot of ice. So, so that's my, my cheat meal. Oh, excellent. If I'm ever in Toronto, uh, I hope we can meet up there. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Uh, I do enjoy me some fried chicken. Right. Now, do you have a mantra or motto that gets you going that just keeps you moving forward? Um, oh, do I have a, a mantra? Um, it's mostly the, uh, I mean, I, I hate to keep referring back to Kevin Plank. Uh, he's got a, a quote that I love. That's all. I have a chalkboard wall. Where I write down all my, I have a, I work so it's out of a home office. Athletes Collective is basically is based out of a home office, and uh, you know, I, I basically I I ship everything from here, and I, um, you, you know, I and everything goes out of out of this office, and so I have a quote, and it says, uh, "Put the friggin' pen down and go do something," and that's based on it's Kevin Plank talking about a lot of entrepreneurs who they're always planning. And they're planning and they, and they have to make the business plan and write the plan and write the plan. And he's like, at, at a certain point, you've got to put the friggin' pen down and actually go make something. And that's kind of how Athletes Collective started. And um, it was, and, that's, and, and, and everyone was like, oh, do you have your business plan? Do you know what you're doing the next uh, six months, uh, 12 months? And I always said, I'm like, we don't even know if there's going to be a business in 12 months. So I can only plan, you know, three months in advance, which is funny because uh, by trade, I was a strategic planner. You know, at a brand consult, as a brand consultant, you know, they call you strategic planner. And because you don't know what's going to happen month to month because the business has only been around like legitimately for the last nine, 10 months. So, I mean, that's the big thing is, is every time I catch myself spending too much time on my computer, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'll maybe spend an hour, but that's it. After that, if you're not, if you're not actively creating something, I'm just wasting my time. So, and that's the biggest difference between what I do now and what I used to do. And what I used to do as a consultant is I come up with these fantastic plans and, and positioning statements and these, you know, hundred page debt, hundred page decks that I would present very eloquently. And, and, but it wasn't, it wasn't marketing to make money. And it was very, it's very different. It was marketing for branding, which eventually helps you make money, which is great if you're already an established brand. But when you don't and you're, and you have, you know, I have a budget every month of X amount of thousands of dollars that I need to spend on marketing, but those dollars now have to feed me as a human being. Like, how are you going to eat your next meal? Which is, you you better make sure that that ad that you're placing on Facebook or the podcast sponsorships that I do now, uh, which which is kind of my which is which is what, what's really working for me, 
actually bring people to the website and make them purchase. And it's two very different things. So if, if I, right. So big, my big thing now is really being able to create and being able to, instead of just planning, which is nice and it looks great to date the clients, but if you're not actually executing, you're just wasting your time. So to anyone, I mean, my big thing is, uh, you know, if anyone has an idea, um, if you could actually create it with a small sum of money, if you have a few hundred dollars to spend um, and you can create a prototype, then go ahead and create it and see if your friends like it, you know, and then, and that's kind of what I did. That's how Athletes Collective got started. You know, I, 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 I joke, my anecdote that I like to tell is, you know, I, um, you know, the, the whole idea behind Athletes Collective is, it's, is, 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 is that it's unbranded sportswear. That's kind of the big position I've taken in the market. And it's, and it's much less, and, and it's about 30 to 40% less expensive. So you're getting high quality, affordable, unbranded sports gear. But that all started, you know, because I was, I was like a Nike hound and I still love Nike and respect the hell out of them. Um, but I was going to, uh, I play a lot of tennis, as obviously I've said, but I was wearing, I was decked out in all of my Raphael and Nadal gear. I was going to a tennis practice for my, my team and I just, felt like I would look ridiculous. I was 30 at the time and I'm like, I need something to break this up. Cause uh, I, I feel what am I sponsored by Nike? Like, I don't know if you've ever, if anyone out there has ever, you know, played in a rec league sport and you see the guy who's like decked out in all Nike or all under armor, like what do you, like you can't help but make fun of them and go, what are you sponsored by them? All right. Like you kind of joke, okay, LeBron, like you're, you're going to, like you're all decked out. And, and I kind of just wanted something to break it up. And so I threw on this old ratty t-shirt and, and away I went. And then I said, you know, I don't think anyone else is, like, and I went looking for high quality athletic gear with no logos and it didn't exist. So I said, okay, let's see if I can just make a shirt. And that's kind of what happened. And for eight months, I worked with different manufacturers, different, um, uh, different fabric suppliers and, and then tweaked it with my friends. I just gave, I had a whole, I made like 20 samples. I gave them to my buddies and said, go work out and then tell me what you think. And, and then when I finally found a shirt that I liked, we, we, we tweaked it enough, um, I had something and I, and I gave it to some of my friends. I'm like, would you pay 25 bucks for this? Yeah, I would pay 25 bucks. Okay. I have a whole bunch. Will you buy some? Buy? Yeah, I'll buy like three or four of these. Done. And that's when I kind of realized, okay, this could be a business. And, and just to get back to the, the, the whole point of the story is if that's kind of the, you talk about a mantra, like you just have to go and actually do stuff. And that's what a lot of people don't do. It's great. To, it, it's one thing if you have an idea that requires, a tremendous amount of capital and you need to go after venture capitalists to, to get it created. But if you have an idea that you can actually just create, then make it and then worry about the rest afterwards. Make the product first, test it, see if people like it. The only the, the thing you're going to waste more than anything else is your time. Uh, if you have an idea for an app, you know, uh, go and see if you can create it. Uh, I mean, if it, like I said, if it requires thousands and thousands of dollars, it's a very different story. But if you have an idea that you think you can just create a prototype with and only cost a few hundred, spend the money, you know, don't go here, don't go out partying for, you know, a few weeks, take that money you would have partied with and, and, and invest it in yourself, invest it in the idea. So that's kind of the big thing. When I, when I see myself, uh, planning too much, I always say like, you got to go out and actually make decisions. You have to do something. Uh, I want to create this new shirt that I have to do. Okay, go and make the sample. You have to actually go and do it. Stop researching. Like research is great, but eventually you have to actually do something. Yeah. Well, I know people have heard me talk about this before. I don't know if I've talked about it with you before, but when I, I, I love the, the saying, just go out, just do it, get off the chair, just whatever you want to do, take a step 
in furtherance of that goal because like I wanted to launch a podcast in April of 2014. I didn't launch the podcast until March of 2016 because I was constantly planning and I wanted it to be perfect. And finally, I just realized if I want to be a podcaster, I have to release podcasts. And yeah, I mean, a lot. Yeah, continue, sir. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. It's just, it's just. Yeah, I was doing all this planning, but I wasn't achieving my goal, and it was actually at a point where you got to put up or shut up. You well, know? yeah, I mean, it's it, I, I like the the biggest what the, what scares people the most. I think it's it scared me too. Was uh, okay, are people going to like this? And that's that's the fear more than anything else, and especially with something like a podcast. Uh, okay, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna make something and hold, and I think people will like it and, and find it interesting enough to, uh, to listen to. Well, you won't know that until you actually create it and try. So, I mean, my, one of my other, you asked what kind of my other things that I like to geek out to. I'm a, I'm a huge political nut, um, and more so with American politics than Canadian because our politics are kind of boring, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. And yours are, I'm gonna use the word interesting. Uh, <laughs> and, but like, even, I mean, no, no, but, but it, but I mean, the, the point I'm trying to make is, I mean, if you look like a guy like John Stewart, he didn't become John, he didn't have the Daily Show until he was 36, 37. I mean, people are, are ragging on Trevor Noah right now because, you know, it's not as good as John Stewart. Well, John Stewart, people didn't really know much about John Stewart in the Daily Show until three, four years into his tenure there. So, yeah. you know, people don't really, you, you gotta give it time. And, and, and that's, and the biggest problem, like we talked about the Kickstarter success campaigns that we see in, in articles. And, and that's the biggest problem is a lot of people think that if something's not successful immediately, that it will never be successful. I mean, there's, there's a point in time where you've got to cut your losses if you realize nothing's happening. But most of the, the guys, they, they failed over and over again. And I mean, I use John Stewart as that. Like he, he ended up being, it ended up being unbelievable and he changed the way people thought about politics. But it didn't take. It wasn't in his first season that it that it got really good. It took a while. And nobody remembers that the Daily Show was around before John Stewart. Exactly. It was. And who was the host? Craig Kilborn. If no one knows who that and most is, most people could not tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Most people would not know that. And most people don't know Craig and Craig Kilborn. What did he end up doing? Yeah, he had his own show, but he was on ESPN, and it, it was he, he was an anchor for Sports Center. It was very different, and most people don't remember those things. Yeah, you know, you only remember how good everybody was, but it's it's very it's it, it, these things do take time. But you'll never know unless you actually put something out there, and that's the toughest thing to do is to actually put it out there because there's a lot of fear of criticism. People won't like it. No one's buying. No one's listening. Well, you got to actually do it first to see if that's going to be the case. Very few people are are instant successes. No, absolutely. So, um, what right now with Athletes Collective? What do you have going on? What are you working on? What can people go and check out um, on the site if they're there? So, if you're on the site now. Um, what should be up there at this point in time is we will have just released um, our V-neck, our new V-neck shirts, which to me is some of the best stuff we've made so far. Um, it's as close, and I don't, I hate using this word, but it just, it is what it is. 
it is, it's kind of the closest thing to athleisure that we've created, meaning that you can go from the gym to going out for a cup of coffee in these shirts. Um, and so it's the nicest, cleanest stuff we've created along with our new seven inch and team, uh, running shorts. Um, so those shorts there, they're the new, they're, those are the newest things that we've brought in. We have them in a couple different colors and, um, they come with this. What's great about them. It's got two side pockets, a, a back zipper pocket, and then a special, uh, pocket in the front on the inside that you can put your keys in and you can put, uh, like a couple credit cards and even your phone if it's small enough. So that's a new feature to what we have. So that's the latest stuff that we've got. Um, and then right now we're working on the, uh, on the fall winter line. And one of the things about Athletes Collective and, and being a startup is that one of the biggest differences is that I have to make decisions about what products to release based off, are these really going to sell? I can't afford to create a huge line of winter clothes because I work with a manufacturer. You know, it's not my factory. It's a contracted manufacturer in Canada who, who have factory minimums. And those factory minimums cost a lot of money. So I have to make sure that whatever money I'm investing in buying inventory is going to sell and people are going to like. So I've, I, I've tested the hell out of these new V-necks, out of these new shorts with a multitude of people with specific customers who, who, who have been buying from me for a little while now. And, and that's, and that's why I'm so excited about them because it's, it's, it's really the best stuff we've created, but I'm now making, uh, we're now doing sampling for, uh, kind of those, those, uh, three quarter or those, uh, those quarter zip, uh, long sleeve shirts for the wintertime that a lot of guys like to wear. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're doing that. We're currently testing and sampling, uh, an entire line of compression gear. So, uh, um, a, a, a big part of how I feel about sportswear is, um, most, if you're going to buy from any of the big brands, you're going to pay good money for it and you're generally going to get what you pay for. It's not a, none of it's a ripoff. Like I would never say that. I actually think if you're, if you're spending, you know, uh, 40, 50, if you're spending, you know, $60, $70 on a long sleeve shirt from Nike, it's generally very good quality. You're not getting ripped off. It's not, but I, I'm of the mindset that I actually think sportswear is way overpriced. I don't know when it happened. I don't know if it's always been like this. But I, I think it's just it's it's gotten way out of control, and and what's great about our stuff is it really is that alternative to overpriced sportswear. So I'm I'm hoping to create, especially in the compression, um, in the compression market, in that category, compression gears. I think is act, that's the one thing I think is way overpriced because um, I the samples that I've made are are stuff that really does compare to the big brands. And, um, and we're going to be giving it to our customers at a, at a much more reduced price, mostly because we're, we're just giving you the product. We're not making you wear our logo. So, uh, and that's a big part of it. So that's, that's something I'm really, really excited for. Um, and I think it's a place where we can, we can really challenge some of the bigger brands by having compression gear that, that is great quality, but really a, a fraction of the price of what you would normally pay. Well, and I, I consider myself a little bit of a gym rat. I prefer the term Jimmy Unicorn. But I also understand, like, I don't buy workout gear, like, wholesale. I won't go to an Under Armour website and buy something unless it's in the clearance section. So when you and I spoke and then I went on your website, I was like, wow, these prices are actually extremely reasonable. And then I realized that 
they were even more reasonable because you are a Canadian-based company and they're being charged in Canadian dollars and the exchange rate for American dollars is phenomenal right now. Yeah, it's actually, it's not, it's, I hate to sound like an infomercial, but it's never been a better time to come to my website if you're American. Um, the exchange rate is absolutely terrible for us. Um, so if right, right now, uh, every, um, dollar American is a dollar 30 Canadian. So you're literally getting a 30% discount off everything in my, on my site without even having a promo code. So it's, it's, I mean, like I joke, if it sounds even more like it, if it's ever been a better time to try it out, because you're literally talking, um, uh, you know, for, for our, our signature shirts, uh, the t-shirts, uh, about $19 and 25 cents for something that's not, you know, on sale. That's actually going to be the price that you'll pay to try it out. And for 20 bucks, you know, it's worth going, okay, I'll try this brand I've never heard of, which is very tough for guys. Because guys are very set in their ways when it comes to the brands that they like. And I'm, like most guys, I'm the same exact way. Like, like there's a certain hair gel that I use. And when it discontinued, I'm going to be really annoyed. Because <laughs> I've been using it for years. Like, it's just, and, or deodorant, whatever it is. And when it comes to sportswear, it's the same thing. I like these brands. I know they fit. And I'm not going to try this offshoot brand because I'm not sure. So I like to say, like, I think what's great about our pricing is it, it does give you a chance to, I'm going to try this out. What ends up happening is guys, they come to one, our, our site, they buy a, a great t-shirt and then they come back and they buy three more great t-shirts, which may, always makes me laugh because it confirms everything I think I know about men <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and our buying habits. I mean, I have, I have the same H&M V-neck white t-shirt. I have seven of them. Oh, and I yeah. buy, and I just keep buying them. I know they fit me. I like them. And I just like, there's no reason to buy a different one. I just know I like it, but no one really has created anything like that for sportswear. Cause you're not going to go to a Dick sporting goods and buy the same Nike t-shirt in the same, uh, color, um, over and over again. Well, you yeah. may do that with shoes. And even then you probably won't do it because it's, you're not going to spend 50 bucks on a t-shirt and go and just get the same one over and over. If you're spending that kind of money, you want some variety. Absolutely. But if the shirt only costs you 20 bucks, you're like, yeah, these are good. I wear these to work out. I like them. I wear them on the weekend. You know, they're kind of my go-to shirts. Okay. Maybe I'll get a few different colors, but it's, it's almost like, you know, I mean, I like, I, I generally don't like to compare myself to other, uh, to other companies. Like I'm the this of the that. Um, and, and you know, I kind of, no one's really done fast fashion for sportswear, and that's what I'm trying to do. Okay. So, so you know, like your casual wear, like those V-necks, I know that after six months, they're ratty, and I can throw them out. Okay, done. So I'm not saying that you can throw mine out after six months. What's great about our stuff is the quality is actually really good. Yeah. They will last you a few years, especially after a number of washes. They just keep getting softer and softer. So, um, and that's, that's, that's the other thing. So just, yeah, excuse my rant, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I loved it. And I'm, you know what? I, I'm the same way. Like I usually only buy under armor workout gear. Well, until I found you. Um, and I, like, like I was telling you, I went on your website just to do a little bit of research and saw you guys were having a sale. So I picked up three more of your shirts cause I loved it so much. That's confirmed. He's not, I, I just want to tell everybody. It, Kenneth did not, it is not just saying that. I got, 
we got off that we were scheduled this time to speak for the podcast, and then all of a sudden I saw an order from him, and he bought my buy two get three get one free uh, sleeveless shirts. Yeah. So that is that is confirmed. <laughs> that is not just him uh, pretending to have bought. I have shipped them out, and he will get them hopefully in about a week. I'm very excited to get those. By the way, no. Um, so, do you have a fitness resource, or even like a Star Wars uh, nerdy resource, or an app, or something that helps you either stay connected with the Star Wars world, or even the Simpsons world? You said you had your email chain. Or like fitness apps that help you um, keep up with your goals. Uh, when it comes to my my nerdiness, when it comes to The Simpsons, my favorite thing now, and this is, I, it's, there's a lot of things about social media I don't like. This is the one. This is one of the things I love. And there's this, um, uh, there's a feed that I follow on Facebook called uh, Simpsons quotes nobody gets anymore. Um, it's it's my favorite thing. Uh, that yeah, it's called Simpsons quotes that nobody gets anymore. It's fantastic. There's 366,902 followers of this thing, nice. and every single day there's a new quote, and I just laugh and I send it to my friends. And uh, so that that's that's my resource for that. And then the other resource, and, uh, and this is where um, I guess this kind of goes along with it's it's very on brand for what Athletes Collective is all about, which is kind of egoless. Uh, athletics and kind of getting your basics, but something that's really high quality, but it's, it's not flashy. It's not showy. It kind of takes out all the, uh, all the unnecessary things that you don't need in sportswear. I've, of all the technology, the things of all the technology, technological innovations that have come along, it's the one thing I have not dipped my toe into in the slightest. I don't have a Fitbit. I don't keep track of anything on my phone. I don't keep track of, uh, my numbers. I don't keep track of my steps. I, I, I am, it's the one thing I have. Um, I don't want to call it a purist. I just, for lack of a better term, I don't care. I really, I, I actually, I know when I'm fit. I know when I'm not fit. Um, if I've worked out three days a week, I know the routines that I like. Um, I'm like, in 2009, I did P90X, and that gave me a whole bunch of different ideas. That was fun. Completely non-sustainable. It, you cannot work out the way they want you to work out. It's just not a, a proper routine. I mean, I have I have to now, uh, someone, that, when I turned 30, someone flipped the switch and said everything's going to hurt now. So now I go to a chiropractor every two to three weeks. And thankfully, my chiropractor also trains um, major junior hockey talent. And so I've done some sessions with him. And so he kind of keeps me on track with new routines. Um, I'm, I still read fitness magazines. I like going online to men's fitness and men's health, more, more men's health than anything else. And I get routines from there and I try different things out. I'm, when, I, when I'm in the gym, I'm a, I just like to do different things every single time just to keep it exciting. I don't like going to the gym. I go because I know it's good for me. I like the way I look after I work out and I like what it, and I know it's good for my health, but I don't enjoy it. I don't take photos of myself at the gym. Um, I don't begrudge anybody who does. I've just, it's just not for me. And real quick, I'm I'm going to interrupt you right then because the one time I took a photo of myself at the gym, it was to brag about your clothing. Okay. I know. That's why I had to kind of walk that comment back because I remember you took a photo. I'm like, Oh, what a nice guy. He did that. I don't even do that. But it's, it's, but that's the but but it's the world we live in, and 
it's the one it's 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 the thing and I, I just I went on this entire rant earlier about how you just have to go out and do it. It's the one thing I re, I still kind of refuse to do, which is self promote. I'm not good at that. I'm I'm as you can see I love talking about Athletes Collective, but I, I don't like taking and this is it's kind of I, I swear it's such a guy mentality. The reason I don't do it is because if I I feel like if I took a bunch of selfies in the gym that my friends would just rag on me nonstop. And I just like, it's just not an image of myself. I like to portray in terms of, uh, uh, of why I play sports. It actually goes, it's very much goes against um, kind of what athletes, the athletes collective brand is all about. And that's, it's the reason I don't do it is because I'm like, I, you know, most of the people who, who buy my stuff are, they're out of college. They're over the age of 25 and and they're just they're like they don't take selfies and that's kind of the um and that's it, it's kind of the brand it's kind of the brand image i'm trying to portray and so that's it's part of the reason i, I don't do it because i don't like doing it but i also don't do it because um it's just not it's not what the brand is all about oh yeah no and i and i totally get that and it makes sense it absolutely does and I'll say this: If anyone out there is listening, and you take a selfie in the gym, and your friends make fun of you, you're you're completely getting what you deserve. You have <laughs> to be have some self-deprecating. You have to be be able to self-deprecate a little bit if you're going to do stuff like that. Your friends, I mean, anyone who comes from guy when I say guy sports culture, it's your best friends will rip on you nonstop for any little thing you will do. And if you take a selfie, you're like asking for it, and I, and you're fully should just take it and just, you have to make fun of yourself if that's what you do. So, I mean, every time someone, I don't know. And that's just kind of, that's just the way I feel about it. No. Right or wrong. Um, I think that if you're, if you're kind of, if you played sports your whole life, that's kind of what you're, um, it, it's just what it's all about. It's why I think it, it's why it, it, it's what's still good about sports. I think, I think it's a big part of it. And, and, and athletics in general is that that's how a lot of guys make friends. And I think it's a big part of that is being able to kind of make fun of yourself or make fun of your friends. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, I think there's pluses and, you know, pros and cons to that, but there are with anything. So it, it just, it's the circle of life. But I do have a question for you. Uh, sure. we're talking a lot about Athletes Collective. Where can people connect with you, um, website and social media wise? Uh, social media, uh, website is athletescollective.com. Um, and you can go, you can check us out. Just search for us, Athletes Collective, on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, if you have any questions, um, and you're not supposed to do this, but this is, but I, I think customer service is, is one of the most important things when you're running a, um, a consumer based product, uh, company. Um, if you have any questions, email me at adam at athletescollective.com. That's my personal work address. I don't care if you email me. You can email me at team at athletescollective.com. I'm still going to be the one answering it. So it doesn't really bother me. So I do all the answering. When I when I answer someone's – I actually – I take great pride in in signing uh, any anyone who, who sends an email to team at athletescollective.com. I actually want them to know it's me because I don't know about you or anyone out there listening – but when I when when I get good customer service, when I know that people actually give a crap, 
I, I love the company. And I've got a bunch of, cause because I answer emails thoroughly and because I try to give the best customer service and I want them to know it's personal, I get a lot of people coming back and going, you've got a customer for life because you're the one answering it. And nothing makes me crazier than when I call uh, a helpline and I, and it takes me 10 minutes to speak to someone. Oh, so, sure. you know, the number, here's the number that is on my website, the contacting athletes collective, that's my cell phone. So when people are calling, they're getting me. So if you have any questions, if you want to talk to me, if you want to, if you want to ask me about the company, about uh, doing what I do, um, you know me at adam at athletescollective.com. I will answer you within a day. Excellent. Excellent. And do you have any parting advice for everyone listening to the podcast? Advice. Uh, I don't know. If, I can tell you what not to do. <laughs> I'm really good at that. Um, I would, I would say uh, for anyone, I mean, listen, anyone who's listening to this, who's, who's in college, who's trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives at age 20, 21, 22. Um, don't worry if you don't know, you're not supposed to know. I'm 33 and I'm just figuring it out now. Um, I would also say develop a skill set. Like, don't just, uh, you know, I, I kick myself. I, I, I wish I could talk to my 15 and 14-year-old self when I was in high school and we had access to amazing computer labs and I was learning Photoshop and I didn't pay attention. Oh, I yeah. wish I had a skill like that. I had worked with a very talented designer um, and he does a lot of my design. I give him the idea and he creates it. But learn how to create anything. Develop skills that will enable you to actually create and execute. If you're interested in getting involved in the agency side of things, whether that's being being in an ad agency or a brand consultancy or PR, whatever that might be, learn how to write. Learn how to actually design something. Learn how to take a photograph. Learn how to edit it. Learn how to, um, if you want to be a social media strategist, learn how to actually put something on social media that gets attention, that gets passed around. And that's like, learn how to create things. You don't have to become an engineer. You don't have to become a software developer. Uh, just learn. I, I, I hate to, I'm not saying don't go to a four-year college. I have, a, <laughs> I have a, an undergrad in communications, which enabled me to basically do nothing. And then I got a postgrad in, in, communi- in, in marketing, which enabled me to do a few other things. But I wish I had more, let's say, technical creative skills. And that's the thing. And those are the things that now, that's all that really matters is people who can actually create and do. I mean, it's the, it's the skills that I'm learning now as an entrepreneur is having to do more than just plan. It's actually put something out there and create it. So that's, that's, I guess my, my parting advice would be that. And then um, just, I would say, remember what Kevin Plank said, which is put the friggin' pen down and go do something. But if you have an idea, just actually go and execute it. Learn how to execute, learn how to create. People who are ideas people, um, you, it's very difficult to, to, you have to be a really good salesman to sell your ideas. Because everyone has ideas, but not everyone has, has skills. Like, people can actually create something. So that's kind of my, I mean, I, that's, it's what I love so much about the podcast that you've created, Kenneth, is that it's something that's unique. I think there's more people out there who are kind of nerdy athletic guys like us than people realize. I think it's, uh, I think it's an underserved market. Um, I, I don't think, I think there's such a huge cross now between, it used to be you were either kind of nerdy 
and you like science fiction type stuff, or you were an athlete. You didn't combine the two. It's such, things have changed so much now with that, and I think there's way more guys like us out there that exist than there ever were before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have to wholeheartedly agree on that, and that's why we're here. So, um, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today, man. I've absolutely had a blast chatting with you. Um, I know we're going to be in contact in the future, so if you ever need anything from us, please let me know. Glad to have you, man. No, thanks for having me. This, is, uh, this has been fun. All right, absolutely. And everyone out there listening, thank you very much for joining us today. Totally appreciate it. Love having you. Love hearing all your feedback. Um, good, bad, in between, whatever you got. I love to hear it. So other than that, have a great rest of your day, dragons. Work out, nerd out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.